Hi everyone, this is Stath, and we chose the correct season to start a podcast. I'm joined here today by Jonathan Blakey. Hello. Tom Bedell. Hello. And Will Evans, Full House. Yeah, glad you saved the best to a last time. <laughs> <laughs> right, so um, obvious news we have to start with. Martin Allen is back, fifth stint. Jonathan, let's start with you. How, how did this happen? Where were you when you heard the news? How did you feel? Um... Well, yeah, I received the news on our group chat at the ridiculously early hour that I wake up for work um, this morning. Um, Tom was awake at the same time and delivered the news to us. Um, and I genuinely thought it was a joke. I did not. I did not see it. <laughs> I didn't see it coming at all. Um, and after a little while of sort of processing it my head sort of came around to the idea and then obviously the official announcement came and I was very very happy about that. Good um, Tom as you broke the news sorry one quick thing to say I was also awake at 6 o'clock this morning <clears throat> it is not an ungodly hour Jonathan there's no there's no positive marks for well, waking no, up at 6 I, o'clock I, I, I actually woke up before 6 o'clock um, yeah just fair. saying fair okay fair Tom yeah um, I was very uh a bit like Jonathan's been, I couldn't, my initial reaction was to sort of laugh, I think, and that doesn't mean I'm against it by any means, as we'll go on to discuss, I'm, I'm very pro the decision, but I, I uh, someone sent me the Daily Mail link to the story, which had gone live at midnight, and I thought, I, although it's completely predictable, I really thought we'd passed the point at which he was going to come back for this season, so I was, I was delighted, but I was absolutely staggered, really, and... Uh, but as soon as I saw it was the Daily Mail, I thought, well, that's got to be legitimate because he does a column for them. So if anyone would know, it was them. So very much immediately sends you. I was like, right, it's happening. And, and here we are. And isn't it great? I'm chuffed. I am so positive. It's untrue. One thing I'm really happy about is that they did they announced the news on a Monday. Obviously, knowing that we were going to pod today. And that was really handy for us. I'm very grateful. So thank you to whoever made that happen. Will, how was uh, your morning? Um, I guess... My mind was blown a little bit by it. I mean, I couldn't, uh, like you guys, I, you know, I found out about it through our, our group chat. And, you know, when you when you receive such monumental news that early in the morning, I, I couldn't really compute it. I kind of took it all in. I quickly run my dad up to, you know, let him pass it on to him. And then um, I sort of put it out of my mind to, you know, carry on with my day and get ready for work. But it, it kind of took me a few hours to really get my head around it, even though, that's so stupid because, of course, it's actually the most obvious thing really that could have happened is, you know, getting Martin Allen, the king firefighter, in to try and get us out of trouble yet again. But for some reason, it just it really did take me by surprise and kind of took a while to, yeah, fully get my head around. Yeah, it was it was an interesting one. Um, and I just want to ask, what time did you wake up for work this morning? About eight o'clock, something like that. I'm a I'm, I'm a bit of a yeah. I've, Council, council work. It's more flexible. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm nearly on break by eight o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> the less said about that, the better. Then I suppose. Um, yeah. So we were all a bit shocked. Just for me, actually, um, I woke up. I wasn't feeling that well, and the news woke me up completely. As in, I was a bit drowsy. I saw my phone. I was like no way and that completely woke me up so that was that was actually if we could do this every day instead of having an alarm that would work for me that'd be fantastic so we're all a bit surprised tom you sound really really happy about it 
Um, I think you did actually call many times earlier on in the season that, that he was the man for the job. So do you want yeah. to go and uh, just be smug for a bit? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think um, it was before Graham Wesley, I'm believing right in saying, that somebody told me that Martin Allen was as good as agreed to come back as manager. He'd been at the Hive and it was a formality and it never happened. And I personally was disappointed. A lot of people breathed a sigh of relief, but I was very disappointed. I should tell you for why, because it's the same reason I'm very pleased that he's back. I think, as we all know, three of us own work there, and one of us, Jonathan, having been very close to the kind of inner sanctum for a lot of time, for a lot of time. Um, Barnet is a unique club. All clubs are unique, obviously. That's what makes them, you know, what they are and, and such incredible kind of institutions. But Barnet is very unique. There are a lot of things that, are different at Barnet to any other club and to fully appreciate that and to be able to work within that work around that and so on and be a success it really does help it really is advantageous to know that and to know these little nuances and so on and I think for that reason the person best placed you know obviously if you take out the people who are in jobs that we're unlikely to entice and unlikely to pay for and so on the only person for the job was Martin Allen because he will come in and it will be like he was never been away. The chairman is the same. The staff, by and large, are the same. There is stuff above him that's changed a little bit, i.e. Uh, we've got a new head of recruitment in Matt Green. Um, obviously, Mark McGee has left. But by and large, it's the same. So he will come into an environment where he's already kind of got his feet under the table. And I think when a new manager comes in, especially when you have four managers in the season, the amount of... Um, you know, turnover in the way things are done. Even the little stupid things like the days they train, the times they train, um, you know, how they like them to recover. You know, the most the most minute things that you wouldn't even necessarily think about. And I'm sure there are 101 things that I don't even wouldn't even think about because I'm not a football or a professional football man in any capacity. So to have someone who the majority of that squad or quite a large number of that squad will already know, will already be completely tuned in to the way he likes things done. And the same for his staff means that there's not going to be a period of adaptation. It is hit the ground running now. And with 10 games to go, that is literally the only... If you're going to change manager, that's the only alternative, I think. Because if you if you compare it to the situation at Southampton, where they've just changed their manager, he's a completely new manager. He's completely alien to the club. So he's going to change things, and he might not have enough time to turn it around. So it's almost just he's a fresh voice. But this is someone, in Barnett's case, who doesn't need to come in and learn the club and what have you, because he's done all that four times he's literally going to come in say this is how we're doing it hopefully the players we've still got that kind of almost muscle memory a lot of them they'll drag the other ones along and i think it will if not keep us up then get us a lot closer to keeping us up than we would have been um under graham west this isn't you know this isn't the panacea this isn't the cure-all uh, appointment but i think it gives us a bloody good chance that was less smug than I was expecting you to be. I'm well, quite disappointed. I'll smug if he actually does it. If he <laughs> up, then you won't hear the end of it. But for the time being, I just think it's a really positive step in the right direction. And the fact that you all sort of sat there agog and listened to me makes me think that no one will disagree. No, I'd agree with that. Um, I was going to say, Jonathan, I'm going to ask you two questions. The first one's a fairly brief one, which is just, do you agree with Tom? Is uh, Martin Allen the right man? And the second question is, if so, because I think you're going to say yes, if so, should this have happened sooner? Yes and yes. Um, 
I def- uh, Tom took every word out of my mouth, really. Actually, he said it a lot better than I was going to say it. So he took all I the words really... out of every mouth. Yeah, exactly. So I'm not, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to go and repeat what he said. Martin Allen ticks all the boxes for every single aspect of a manager you'd want. He's the perfect choice. Should have happened earlier in the season. He, TK's mentioned in his uh, statement that he's given out today, saying that he met with him early in the season, and Tom was saying that he, he, it was nailed on that it was going to happen. I was very excited for for it to happen. Then didn't happen for whatever reason. Um, Graham Westy's come in, bold decision. And I, I, to be fair, I don't think Graham Westy deserved to be sacked in inadvertent covers, but it is what it is. And I'm over the moon with Martin Allen coming in. Words cannot describe how good of an appointment this is in my eyes. Wow. It's very strong stuff from from both of you. Will you're you're the optimist, so I don't know how you climb from here. Um, obviously, the first brief thing is: Do you agree with both of your colleagues, friends? I don't know how how do you what do you consider them? I'd say friends. I hope so, anyway. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't. I, I I'm very positive about this, but I might not be quite as. No, I would be as glowing. I think it's a really really good appointment. My only kind of, not reservation, but I think it was very, very harsh on Graham Wesley. And I think that, I, I, I agree that if we'd brought in, at the moment Rossi Ames um, lost his job, if we'd brought in Martin Allen then, that would have been a fantastic appointment. But as it is, you know, we had Mark McKee and then Graham Wesley. And I think that if Wesley had perhaps been backed adequately, especially, you know, in the transfer window, and we'd seen the right kind of recruitment, almost everything that he's done so far has been really quite impressive. I just think it's incredibly harsh for him to lose his job when with the tools and resources he was working with, really he was you're probably getting getting quite a lot out of the players and he's really organised them well. But, but I do accept that if you put any kind of sentiment to one side, this is our best chance of staying in the division. You know, as Tom alluded to, he's, he's spot on. You know, Martin Allen knows this club really well. It is a unique beast and like, you know, he's he's the perfect person to try and keep us up, and I think there's a chance he will do over over eight games. And I, I'm not sure Graham Wesley would have done that. So, from a purely pra- pragmatic point of view, yes, it's the right appointment, but I still have some sympathy with Wesley after the job he did for us. Counterpoint to what you just said, though, uh, you know, Wesley doing the things he did with the resources he had. Martin Allen is going to have the same resources, so surely we'll be better placed to judge after the end of the season. Yeah, I, I think that um, Martin Allen will do a better job in the sense that I think he's he's got a quite unique skill set in being able to come in and just pull every last you know bit of out of the players and try and get something from those eight games. He's a really good firefighter. What I would question was if you'd given both managers the whole season, whether Martin Allen necessarily comes out as a better manager. You know, do you sort of mean? I I think he's perfect for this situation, but that doesn't mean that Graham Wesley wasn't doing a good job. No, no, I understand. I'm just I'm just saying that relative to what you said, let's say Wesley did a good job. Um, if it turns out by the end of the season, Martin Allen's done a great job, then you would say Mart- uh, it doesn't change the fact that Wesley was doing a good job, but it just means that Martin Allen was the better candidate or was the better option, or or just ultimately within the circle of circumstances there were, he performed better. Yeah, I, I think you're spot on. He's, he's definitely the he's definitely the better choice, and I am very pleased by the appointment. I'm, it's just kind of normally when a manager leaves, not by their own choice, it's because they've done a bad job. And I guess this is just a 
slightly different set of circumstances where I've got more sympathy for the man who's going. That's that's fair. That's very diplomatic of you. I would say that one thing that this does highlight that you did touch on, I think Tom touched on as well, um, Barnet Football Club is not like any other football club. And this is like an, a, a really good example of that. Um, I'm going to head back to you, Jonathan. What do you think Marceline's going to change? I mean, I presume he will make some changes. What do you think he's going to change, uh, you know, tomorrow and then ahead of the game on Saturday? <laughs> uh, just to touch on a point that you just saying, Barnet is not like any other club. Martin Allen is not like any other manager. That's probably why these two fit so well. <laughs> Um, but yeah, what it will change, I don't really know. Um, I I I quite like the thought of him keeping Sweeney as a centre back, but as we were just discussing before, discussing before we came on air, he he likes to put a big guy right in front of the back four, so he might change Sweeney into a back into a defensive midfielder. Um, he is coming in working with the same resources that Westy had, but he's. He's got a bit of an advantage in the fact that he knows the players already. I think well, we were making a point earlier on that Wesley and Mark McGee, they all come in as brand new managers and they need a little bit of time to know the squad, get to know the players, to know their strengths and the weaknesses. Martin Allen's coming in, he already knows what John Akinde's strengths and weaknesses are. And with Mara Valletta, Curtis Weston and other players as well. So he, he can he can go in and work with them in a in a good way straight away instead of tinkering and experimenting around especially at this stage of the season we don't have any time to experiment um, I, c- I can see him going back to basics really um, four four two probably John Akinde running in behind the defence a hard working striker alongside him probably John Louis Akrapo or something like that and it might just work Graham Wesley said before or just after the game on the weekend against Wickham that he was scared going into Luton um, which is a huge thing to say as a manager almost managerial suicide really um, and when the manager's saying that even though I'm pro- I was feeling it I think a lot of the supporters were feeling it and possibly even one of the two of the players are feeling it but if the manager's saying that that'll give you almost no confidence going into the next game when, especially when it's against Luton who've been storming away with the with the season all, all the way through Martin Allen coming in could just it, it completely flips it on its head and I can't wait for Saturday now going to Luton I can't wait to go to Luton just put that just let that be, okay? A sentence <laughs> before by <laughs> fans or just humans. Exactly. <laughs> That's uh, at TB Bedell on Twitter for all you Luton fans who want to get some abuse out before the game. Um, Tom, the Mauro the Letty cycle is, is well known and I'm a big fan of it. Um, the question is, do you think Mauro starts on Saturday? Yes, I do, and I think this is a. I think you, there's a few others in there. I just I just did a quick tot up in my head, of the first twenty five names on the squad list, and this just goes to show how big the bloody squad is. As I said before, it goes right up to forty three now, and I don't think there are many gaps. Um, Martin Allen, I would say, has quite extensively worked with twelve of them, okay. so that does include a couple of youngsters like Nana and Harry. But, you know, he was the one that brought them into the team and worked quite extensively with them in their last season. So I don't think it's unfair to include them, but I haven't included for context uh, where's or from Naya. So Mauro is obviously in that number. He's not like Curtis Western or Michael Nelson or John McKindy, who, you know, two of them were Martin Allen signings and they were all three, you know, staples of his team in the final uh, year and a half for the club. Mauro 
was in and out under Martin. He very could. He very could. Wow, that is appalling English. He <laughs> could well have joined Bournemouth permanently when he went on loan, but he didn't want to. So we nearly lost him. But I think the very fact that he knows him, his strengths, his limitations will mean that he'll be a key man in the running. Because as much as he knows the club, he won't know all the players. If 12 out of 25 he knows in the first 25, then there's 13 that he hasn't really worked with. And we have signed a lot of players in the last kind of 18 months since Martin left. So I think the very fact that he knows what he can get from Mauro, even you know, even knows his limitations better than you know someone like Shaq, for example, means that I think he will be uh, a vital part of the team in the next few weeks. Not to mention, obviously, or you know, not to forget, obviously that. Um, Richard Brindley's the only other player that can play right back, and he's sort of gradual, gradual coming back from injury, isn't he? So um, no, I think I think he'll be a pretty, uh, pretty imperative part of the team in the last month and a half of the season. When you say is he going to start Saturday, I don't know because you, you two, Thomas Daffy, you two don't go to games very often, but you were both at the game on Saturday. You both saw Mario Valete limp off injured midway through the first half, and I don't know if you've True. watched my. I don't know if you've listened or watched my interview with Wesley after. He did say Mara's got a long-running injury problem that he sometimes can play through, sometimes he can't, and he will need surgery probably in the summer. I don't know if he's going to be fit enough for the weekend. Just saying. Interesting. Um, what you've highlighted there is that not only do I not attend that many games, but I don't follow your or Will's work. So oh, Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> None of us has come out of that looking, looking particularly good or smelling of roses. But, you know, that's what I do. Um... A question for you then, Jonathan. Um, as I'll ask each of you, um, just gave me one player who's woken up this morning, seen the news and thought, yes. And one player who's woken up this morning, seen the news and thought, oh dear. <laughs> one player who's woken up this morning and thought, yes. I'd like to say John Akinde. Mm. Uh, I'd like to say him. Okay. Uh, one player who's woken up this morning and thought, no. <sighs> um, that's a good question. Prob- That's what I'm here you for. You know what? I, I, I'd go along with uh, either Ryan Watson or Alex Nichols. I'd like to think he's not going to drop Nichols, though, because he's actually finding some good form. He's probably one of our key players at the moment. So, But Ryan Watson does, similarly to what Graham Westy likes, also what Martin Allen likes. He, he just you know gets into the other half of the pitch very quickly um, with a long ball. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Shaq Colthurst, there you go. <laughs> so, you're, so you're going, Jack, John Akindi is happy, Shaq Colthurst is unhappy. I don't know who's going to be unhappy. It's, it's going to be one of the players he probably hasn't worked with before. But if it's going on players that he has worked with, probably Ryan Watson, I'd say. Cool. Um, Will, same question to you, but you cannot have John Akindi as a happy man. You cannot have Ryan Watson as an unhappy man. Well, I'm not sure John Akindi will be a happy man because oh, as much as, this um, is good talking points go. as, <laughs> as much as Martin Allen gets the best out of him, I think Martin's gone on record before as saying that he really picks on on John Akindi to sort of you know to constantly push him and push him and make him a better player. And I'm, you know, in terms of having an easy life at training, perhaps John Akindi won't be so delighted about this. Um, of, of course, I'm sure he'd still rather have a manager that makes him. You know, a good player in charge. Um, but Curtis Weston is the one who strikes me as being, he'll be very happy. I mean, the chances of him having a contract at Barnet for the next 20 years will certainly go up. A, <laughs> go up a we all know that Martin Allen just absolutely loves Curtis and uh, he fits his style perfectly. And I think if this is a long-term appointment, then uh, 
yeah, we could see Curtis Weston sticking around at the club for a couple of years at least. Uh, in terms of players who are going to be unhappy, I think that maybe Mauro Valletti will be unhappy. I think that um, I do agree with Tom that as long as he's fit, he'll he'll play for the remainder of the season because I think um, Martin will want to work with players that he knows their capabilities straight away. But in the longer term, I'm not sure that he's a player um, you know that that, that Martin Allen particularly rates. We've seen him almost sell him before to, to Boreham Wood, as Tom alluded to. Um, I just think for his long-term prospects at the club, maybe he won't be quite so delighted by this, by this news. Okay, really interesting. Uh, and same for you, Tom, but you cannot have John Akindi as happy or unhappy, evidently, um, mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. Yeah, I've really had to think about this. Um, good. I think, I've got, I think I've got a good answer, actually. I think the guy that will woken up happy is Dwight Pascal. Because, as we know, Martin Allen was uh, very effusive in his praise of him when he gave him his debut as a fetus last season. And uh, <laughs> such a horrible way of saying that. Almost <laughs> ready to be brought into the world, I reckon Martin uh, might very well might very well blood him because, as, as Jonathan rightly said, even though I was at the game on Saturday, I forgot. Mao obviously went off injured, which leaves Richard Brindley, who's not long back from his own injury. Uh, as the only kind of senior right back because obviously Harry Taylor's had a long term injury as well so I think do you know what that might actually open the door to Dwight because he's got to be in all seriousness he must be 17 pushing 18 now so you know it's not ideal because he's young but it's almost kind of right we need him we think he's good sink or swim now it's now is as good a time as any almost to you know I'm not saying he's going to be starting on Saturday and going forward but I think he'll certainly be in contention uh, and we haven't seen him for a while because was it one of Mark McGee's first games? He put him and uh, Benji won't try and pronounce his surname. Agadino. Thank you. There's the <laughs> professional commentator amongst us. There you go. <laughs> he put those two in out of the blue, didn't he? And we haven't really seen him since. And I think, you know, we were all impressed. Um, obviously, it didn't help he got sent off in that game, of course. Um, but I think we were all impressed with him when we saw him last season. And I've certainly been impressed with him as I've seen him in the, in the 21s, 23s, yada, yada, yada. So I think he could be a benefit, a beneficiary. Um, and I think someone who might not uh, might not profit from the appointment, and this is another one I've really had to think about, because I think you've named the obvious ones, and then after that, there are a lot of guys that he just hasn't worked with, so it's trying to kind of second-guess who might not be his kind of player. And I reckon it might be Ruben, who had come into a little bit of form and... Uh, a little run of games under Graham Wesley, but I think, um, as, assuming Martin Allen comes in and does what I'd expect him to, which is probably set up with a kind of very functional four-four-two, which, in fairness, we kind of expected Graham Wesley to, and he still made room for Ruben, then I think it'll probably be um, um, Curtis Weston and one other that isn't Ruben because he isn't going to do the things that you uh, might associate with a, a, a successful Martin Allen team. So... Um, that's a bit of a punt, but yeah, that would be the one. No, that's fair. I would say, though, um, Ruben has started to put some tackles in, started to, to assert mm. himself a bit more in midfield, so perhaps... Lack the trying, he's just not a massive presence, and if he not if you're not playing well, then he kind of goes a little bit missing at times, perhaps. Yeah, I'd agree with that. That's fair. That's a fair statement. Um, so, based on that, we've we've been very positive... And um, I feel we should slightly turn the, the the tables over a little bit and look at the slightly more negative side. We are 
well, very, very deep into the season. We're now on to our fourth manager of the season. Jonathan, I'm going to come to you. Do you think this means that the season... I mean, if it ends in relegation, I think most people agree it's a failure. But do you think this season has been an absolute failure? Do you think there's been failure from everyone on every level? Do you think there are players who've regressed? I mean, there must be failure in there somewhere, but how deep do you think it goes? Hmm. It goes quite deep. Whether we stay up or not, it's a failure because we were all talking about playoff push at the start of the season, weren't we, with Rossi? Um, and I'll never forget the the genuine amount of belief I had after walking away from Swindon, having seen us beat them 4-1, having seen us beat Luton and Peterborough a few weeks previous. I've genuinely thought, this is it, this is this is our time. Um, but ever since then, it's all gone downhill, really, hasn't it? Um, four managers in one season, you can't turn around and say that's a success wherever you finish. Um, it, it's just a mess. Uh the confusion and the the just sort of what is going on around the Mark McGee saga of is he manager? Was he always supposed to be an interim? What is a technical advisor? What does he do? What does James Thorne do? What does Matt Green do? It's all a bit, that's just a whole mess. That's a massive failure. Mark McGee's gone now, I think. Graham Wessey, I don't think Graham Wessey was a massive failure, but he's gone now and I think TK has realised none of whatever he had planned is working. He's now going to go back to the way it was before, uh, where it was a success. And when Martin Allen was in charge and had it all his way, we were just outside the playoffs, which is where we all want to be, really, isn't it? We'd, we'd do, do anything the to be there right now. You researched earlier. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. I asked the question on our group chat earlier on um, because I, I genuinely just couldn't be bothered to research it. Um <laughs> I, I asked the question, does anyone know where we were when Martin Allen left? And um, we couldn't be bothered to research it, so then... Yeah, I, anyway. I realised I my mistake when I realised <laughs> who I was asking the question to, the more lazier people than me. So I did my research anyway, and I found out we were eighth, which is one place outside the playoffs, which is just bonkers. Um, I even... Well. Yeah. So in, what, just over a year since Martin Allen left, we've had I think Martin Allen coming back will now be our sixth manager since he's left. Which Probably. is it is, yeah. Six managers it, in sixteen months it is, yeah. It's just staggering, isn't it? Um yeah, it's just been a massive failure from sort of end of se- or, or mid September to where we are now. Um but there is just a slight glimmer of hope now with eight games to go. It's what, six points to gap between now and staying up? You can almost look at this now like a mini season. The rest of the seasons are right off. It's a failure. Just these eight games, can we make these a success? Um, and we've got the best person capable of doing that in charge now. So there's every chance the remainder of the season could be a mini success. M- and then we can build from there. Martinelli has been given a similar remit in the past and uh, has, has succeeded, it should be said. Um, Will, I'm not going to put you into the, onto a, a negative question. I would never do that to you, buddy. So instead, um, you, you touched on it earlier about Wesley, and you before we started recording, you said that this is actually an odd situation in that the current manager hasn't really done sackably bad, um, and yet, respectively, he's been sacked. Is it harsh? I imagine it is harsh, but how harsh? And essentially, he's gone because of Martin Allen, but yeah, just sort of offer your opinion out there, because I thought it was a very well-formulated point. 
I mean, it is harsh. I, I don't think that Graham Wesley's completely blameless. I think that we've seen some very, very odd substitutions uh, in recent games, starting with the Coventry away match when he took off John Akindi late on as part of, I think it was a triple substitution. Uh, and it left us looking really flat in the final stages of the game after we went 1-0 down because we had no focal point for the attack. Uh, there was more you know, bad substitutions in the following game. And then... We saw against um, Wickham at the weekend, you know, bringing on Charlie Clough. I know he was trying to change the shape to three at the back, but it, I don't know. I, I think that's the one area of his game that's looked really weak since he's been at the club is, is changing the game by using the bench. Saying that, um, I think that we'd, you know, he'd set up the team pretty well from the start in most of the matches. He'd learned very quickly. I think he'd learned the best team he could put out there very quickly. And, you got to remember that he took a team that was a, a, really a complete mess under Mark McGee and kind of put it back together into something that resembled, you know, some kind of um, solid unit. And I just think that that's got to be remembered. Um, and like I mentioned it before, but it's the, you know, that, that lack of transfer window additions is absolutely criminal. Like if you've got him, the Wesley players that he required, the big target man, you know, the strong central midfielders potentially like I just think that he would have been in a good position to keep us up from there but if you if you don't back a manager it doesn't matter which which manager it is yeah you can get Martin Allen in for this short term you know short term benefit of eight games but at the end of the day going into next season if he's still the manager he'll live or die by the players that he that he brings in or that he's allowed to bring in so it it isn't it's harsh to get rid of Wesley, but it was the right decision in terms of our success. But I'd, I don't I want people to remember maybe the good work he's done more than I think just kind of getting a, a general consensus from the you know, forums and social media and stuff. I'm not sure people are kind of holding Wesley in the regard that he necessarily deserves for what he's done in the last you know, last few games. Having, having you said all that, just to play devil's advocate here, because I do actually agree with everything you're saying. But when you look at the stats, I think the game against Wickham now, has made it Graham Wesley's win percentage go under Mark McGee, which is quite frightening. God, that's a really good. That's a really good stat because I must admit I didn't know that. Um, I suppose it's it, it, it. You look at performances, don't you, as well? And, I, and morale was very low, partly because of the McGee era and the performances in that era, with the exception of maybe Exeter City away, were pretty dire. Whereas the performances under Wesley haven't been like that. What I would say is that. We've seen two poor performances back-to-back at home against Port Vale and against um, Wickham in two matches that we had to win. And what that might suggest is that at a time where we need to really be you know, hitting our peak with, a, with under your manager you know, and, and gaining the points at home, we didn't do that. And so perhaps a change was necessary if we were to have any chance of staying up. I have two quick counterpoints for you. Tom, I'll come to you next. Don't worry. You, you, relax. It's coming. I'm behaving as well. I've generally sat here and waited. <laughs> um, yeah, two quick counterpoints, Will. The first one, you said that he found his best team very quickly. I would argue Ryan Watson's still playing, so he never found his best team. Um, oh, bosh. I, I don't agree with that. I think that for the system that he was playing, Ryan Watson probably was part of his best team, um, purely because of the energy he showed in the centre of midfield. And he did have some solid games I think it was um, Coventry away that he actually uh, Jonathan and I gave him well I said he gave him man of the match in our commentary um, you know so he did I think he did get the best out of 
Watson and he just fitted that style. I don't think he's our best central midfielder, obviously. He's not actually a particularly good player, but just for the way that Wesley wanted to play, if you like. Okay. And the second thing I was going to say was in regards to Graham Wesley and following Jonathan's fantastic stat, once again, top marks for research. Um, could it much. not be said that he's a bit, a bit all talk, no trousers, in the sense that the talk was great, the things he said were fantastic, but ultimately points have not point pickup has not been good enough. That was to you, Will. That was that was my second counterpoint. Oh, sorry, I thought I was going to Jonathan. Apologies. Um, that yeah, I mean, I think that's a very fair point um, because I think he's he's spoken really, really well. In fact, to the point where even after we lose a game, he says all the right things. It feels like what I thought of the game, and you think, oh, well, this guy knows what he's talking about. He's getting he'll res- he'll rectify that for the next match. That hasn't always happened, and in that sense, yeah, you could argue that maybe he talks better than his teams have performed. Um, what I would also say though is that. You can't always make a silk. You can't make a silk purse out of a sow's ear. And potentially, you know, he may. You can, as a manager, potentially you can isolate the problems and you can see what's going wrong. But if you've got players that that consistently make mistakes and you also don't have other options in the squad to bring in in their place, then it doesn't matter how good a manager you are. You know, you're still going to have those same players making the same mistakes. And it, it it will be really fascinating to see Martin Allen come in and try and work with this squad of players who do seem to consistently make errors and their heads drop at at a rate that I've never seen before in a Barnet team when they go a goal down. It's it's really quite staggering. And I just wonder, you know, Martin Allen's a good manager and he's great at getting teams out of a difficult situation, but he's not a magician. And it's just going to be very interesting to see if he really can pull off a great escape with this unit of players. Talking of great... Sorry, go on there, Jonathan, yeah. Yeah, sorry, sorry, Tom. I know you want to talk, but it yeah. is interesting. It is interesting you saying all that. To be fair, Will, because um, Wesley in the past two games, I think it was, just watching his interviews after the game. I think it was after Port Vale where he started to say, "Look, it's individual individual errors that are costing us." I.e., John Akinde and I think Shaq Colthurst, the two that he pointed out, saying we need to start pushing them to get more out of them. Um, and then after the game against uh, Wickham on the weekend, he started saying how he's scared to go to Luton. I think that starts to show a little bit of doubt and a little bit of uh, um, disbelief in the players that he's working with now. He starts to think maybe they are, they just aren't good enough for what we've got, which is where you compare that to his first interview he did when he first got the job, which was saying you know, any defence is going to be scared of John Akinde and Shaq Colthurst when they're in form. Even he couldn't get them in form. What's to say Martin Allen won't be, uh, won't be any different? I think you raise a valid point, and it's actually something that I wanted to touch on, which is just that from saying at the very start that John Akindi and Shaq would be the you know the best um, partnership in the league, and how I think he said something along the lines of, with those two on form, no no defense can touch us, or something like that. I feel it was quite a strong statement he made to now subbing off John Akindi as if to make a statement and struggling to get performances out of Shaq. Again, I think for me personally, that fits more of the a lot of talk, not a lot of trousers uh, mentality. But I'm quite a pessimist and I'm quite harsh. Uh, Tom, I'm going to let you talk now because I fear what's going to happen if we don't unbottle you soon. On Graham Wesley, the million-dollar question, do you think he would have kept us up? No, I don't. And I think that's essentially what it boils down to, isn't it? That uh, he was dealt a bad hand. He wasn't given the players he wanted, quite clearly. Um, And he came into a situation where morale was low, you know, we had the tail end of the injuries and so on and so forth. 
So yes, he was harshly done, harshly treated, but it boils down to no one had any confidence left that he could keep us up despite all of that. And his crime was be, not being Harry Houdini, basically, and getting us out of this. And that is why he's been sacked. And Martin Allen is the one that uh, the chairman has staked his staked his his lot on, really, um, because he gives us marginally, or, or in my opinion, quite a bit better better chance of doing what Graham Wesley, I think few felt could do okay that's oddly succinct I was expecting you to to just keep going there and keep going and keep going I'm going to give you another one because you waited so long thank you do you want to just kind of talk us through with Graham Wesley how it started to fall apart because I, I wasn't a big fan from the very start I think it's safe to say that um, but he did come in and give a very good interview I thought everyone after he did that first BBC interview Everyone was was very much on board and was very interested and, and started to buy into what he was saying. And obviously, mm. it has gone south since then. So, do you want to give us your take on that? Yeah, I think it's not um, it's not too complicated. I would say that you know he got his he only lost one of his one of his first four, and he got a pretty creditable draw against Lincoln, a very creditable draw against. Notts County, but he never capitalised on that, and there was never any consistency in team selection. The shape seemed to change, the personnel seemed to change, and as Will and uh, Jonathan have rightly um, brought up, you know the combination of Coulthurst had been. Let's not forget, Coulthurst had been Player of the Month earlier in the year. He'd been on fire and it looked like a masterstroke. Didn't bring John Kindy back, and I said this to Will on Saturday. Coming into a club like us, we've got this massive strength. You'd focus all your energies on making John Akindi good again, wouldn't you? If if John Akindi can get, you know, he came in in the middle of January, Wesley, so reasonably say 10 goals between now and the end of the season, that would give you a bloody good chance of staying up. But, you know, by hook or, but for one reason or another, he couldn't. And um, so I think, you know, it, that was a big factor in it as well. Uh, you know, John Akindi kind of, you know, um, kind of uh, solves all issues almost because if he's scoring, then chances are you don't need to tighten up the defence too much because he'll outscore the other team. So I think between kind of not capitalising on the, the the good results that he did get, and, you know, let's not forget, he got draws against Lincoln, Accrington, and wins against Notts County and Colchester aren't a bad bad side either. You know, it was it was what kind of happened between them. The uh, the, the kind of inconsistency in team selections and on odd substitutions, as, as has already been mentioned, and the failure to get the best... Um, best from his best players and I think when he came in we'd all have said you know oh um, Graham Wesley is known for a quite direct style but great you know getting the ball into John quickly and getting him in behind defences and running at the last defender is exactly where you want him but for some reason it never clicked and, and I think that's why he finds himself harshly out of a job this evening as someone, I can't sorry, sorry one second John sorry I was just going to say that as someone who went to the game for the first time in a while admittedly um, there were only about three times on Saturday where we played football that I actually enjoyed. I mean, mm. I mean, as you know, seriously, there was, I don't remember, there was one time when we had the ball and it, I think it was David Zutano at left back, he played it up the left wing, it went inside and it came back out. I think that might have been the move that won us the free kick, possibly. But it was like, there was about four or five passes chained together along the floor. And that literally happened about three or four times in the entire game. Mm. Um, I'm just throwing it out there for me personally someone who went to the game and sat there in what must have been one of the, the coldest games ever recorded in London I was wearing seven layers two of which were coats just to throw that one out there 
better layers than you apparently. <laughs> just to just to jump in on this, if you don't don't mind. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I I I feel like all I'm doing is sort of defending Wesley all podcast really, but um, I do think that that game was probably the low point of the Wesley era. I mean, in terms of um, you know style, not just the result, but also yeah, the, just the general footballing style. It was just load of rubbish really wasn't it I mean it was one of the least entertaining games I've seen in a long time and we were just so poor um, but Wesley has actually surprised me in a lot of matches where we have actually played football uh, admittedly from a base of a long ball forward to kick start things and then sort of playing from there but you know we've had good managers who've done that exact same thing John still springs to mind um, and that you know that can be successful and it can also be entertaining there's nothing wrong with a long ball team if you do it in the right way um, and i I don't think that that game was necessarily a reflection of his whole time at the Hive, I would suggest. That's Can fair. I just chuck a stat in on yeah, the subject? One stat, log- and then I'm going to go to Jonathan, because I've never seen him angry, and I don't want to see what he's like when he's angry. <laughs> never, no recorded instance of Jonathan being angry. Um, <laughs> yeah, We have actually played the, uh, the fourth, sorry, fifth most long balls this season at an accuracy, which is two and a half thousand over the course of of 46.9%, which is the fourth worst, which I think tells you everything you need to know. We know what we're trying to do, we just can't execute it. One quick stat, sorry, just to check. Did you check the Dan Sweeney header stat? No, I'm going to do it now whilst Jonathan talks. Thank you. Right, Jonathan. Where the hell did you get... Where the hell did you get that stat from? That is fantastic. He has access to proper scouting packages. counting every Uh, long ball. Oh, no. right. okay. he, he doesn't actually have to do research like you do Jonathan he just goes on his little scouting packages that work pays for and then, and then oh, sounds like he knows what he's doing it's outrageous and yet, and yet he couldn't be bothered to go and find out <laughs> I wanted to know earlier on exactly right the floor is yours Jonathan I've, I've silenced you for long enough Graham Wesley you've got the final word essentially go um, yeah going back to that point Tom was making about not getting the best out of Johnny Kinder earlier on it's not that Graham Wesley didn't try that. I can think of several several um, times when we tried to play to John Akinde's strength, especially against Coventry. The amount of times we knocked a ball over the top and John Akinde loves it when it bounces right in front of him, he's mm. got the right side of the defender and he just runs in and scores. The amount of time I was speaking to Will after this as well, the amount of times we did that and he just... In, it looked like he took an extra touch or he just let the ball bounce an extra time and that split second where you take an extra touch or let it bounce once more, the defenders come around and swept the ball up and cleared it away. The chance has gone dead. So it's... I don't know if that's, you can really blame Wesley for that because he's trying. It's just Johnny Kinde, one, whether he's lost a yard of pace or his confidence has been knocked from the injury and whatever else, the, so many missed penalties as well that he's had. Recently, they're probably knocking his confidence. Um, it, it can't, I don't want to blame Wesley saying it's not, he didn't try this. He did try. He did give it a, a good go. But would you want to see out the season and go down having not tried and see what, what Martin Allen would have done? That's the point I would, I would make to anybody that's saying Martin Allen isn't the right person. Uh, to be honest, I've not actually heard that argument much. At this stage, I think everyone's so battered and bruised. I think... Um, Mem or Jim, someone on Twitter said earlier today that you can tell it's bad when uh, we've essentially hired Martin Allen for the fifth time, which makes us look like mugs to the rest of the footballing world. 
and people are happy just because it gets rid of Mark McGee. Well, yeah, but I mean, there were there were, there were people, a lot of people as well, when he left, that were over the moon with it. I remember there was so many people that were really happy that he, he's gone out the door because he we were playing in this boring football. We were eighth. We were eighth. What has been good for us since he's left? Well, to be fair, look, it's look, almost like football fans are a fickle bunch. Exactly. <laughs> Not trying to sound like I hate him, but come on. What do you want? Would you rather get promoted or would you rather get relegated trying to play some nice football? Well, we're not even doing that at the moment, are we? No. So. It's fair. Right. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna wipe the slate. on that, Sweeney? Yes, please. From the weekend. So we had a big debate about him, which has kind of been kiboshed by events since. Yeah, the club has very inconsiderately gone and made this huge thing, so I can't make <laughs> the point. But it's fine. I, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll survive. Carry on. You know, we were going to have a whole podcast about Dan Sweeney called The Sweeney after... Uh... <laughs> I knew I knew that pun was coming. I knew it was coming. And I was tempted to mute you. <laughs> That's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant, that is. So what the crux of it was that we all said, oh, look how many headers he won, apart from Staffy, who said, look how many headers he lost. <clears throat> With great uh, pain, I have to announce, he actually had a dismal game in the air and he won four of the 11 aerial duels he contested. A success of 36%, which is by some distance the lowest return he's had since he moved to centre-half. So, fair play, Staffy. You were clearly paying more attention than I was, and I applaud your observation. I'm very grateful you phrased it like that, actually. Go on, Jonathan. If anyone, because we always go on about how long this pod goes on for, that conversation, not even podding, just at the game, that conversation between two people went on for half an hour <laughs> whether Dan Sweeney won a good amount of headers or not <laughs> yeah you've broken the fourth wall there that's the first rule of any media you don't do that Jonathan <laughs> there you go <laughs> um, Will do you have anything you want to say for yourself an apology perhaps oh, I wouldn't go that past that I, <laughs> uh, I mean I, I you know uh, God, I don't even know. I don't have any, I don't, to be honest, I don't have anything to back this up because clearly the stats prove that you're right. But it it, it felt to me watching it like Dan Sui had a good game, but perhaps no, I was I talking absolute nonsense. Right, this I'm... is where stats versus the eye test, really, isn't it? The eye test told three out of four of us that he had a good game, but the one out of four has been proved right in what that metric alone. Though didn't win many headers but it's not about eyes it's about footballing IQ gentlemen I'm happy to stop the pod now by the way we, we can be finished <laughs> <if you want. laughs> it's no, not going to be an hour without one <laughs> it, it, just, it just highlights how bad the rest of the team were on Saturday really when we think Dan Sweeney when he's had a really poor game actually played the best out of anybody just want to highlight that wasn't that. sorry that was something I agreed with when people were saying that Dan Sweeney was man of the match I wasn't saying that he, he wasn't man of the match per se I was just saying that he, he didn't come across that well to me personally just to highlight one more thing just to highlight and rub a bit more salt in there and I, for that I apologise he wasn't up against a, a massive aerial threat in uh, Akinfenwai who I don't think can jump given the amount of weight that puts on his knees so just throwing that out there but that's it I'm done I'm done right while we're a bit of a circus um, popcorn out another chairman's statement I love these. I love them every time they come out. Um, <laughs> Will, I'm going I'm to let you sort of recover this this, this moment and, and sort of make us a bit more serious and, and be officious as you always are. The statement. Good, bad, your thoughts? I thought it was a really good statement. Um, and, I mean, I work in communications PR, so if I, I should know, I hope, <laughs> whether it's good or not. Um, but, it, you know, I think it is because 
it's it, there's some degree of of honesty in there and an acceptance that as a chairman he's made mistakes um and, and let's be honest we all know he's he's made mistakes this season's been an absolute car crash i mean it doesn't address it but everything since martin's left has been a car crash really at the club um but one of the worst things that we've done as a club i think in terms of you know the, the content that we put out to the fans and this this extends back to when i worked there was you know it's this this idea of spin trying to trying to find things that are a negative and, and spinning them into a positive as if somehow that will wash with the supporters well it doesn't we live in a different kind of era now i think where even everyone's very media savvy and they they understand when you know when they're being conned and you know a good example of that was earlier this season when we you know there was the, the statement about uh closing the the north terrace because um of weather conditions um well I mean, I don't know the true reasons behind it, but it, 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 the fact that we've closed the terrace a number of times since and it wasn't weather conditions, it's just that that's when there's going to be a low attendance would imply that that's probably why it was done in the first instance. And that just annoyed people because if you, you know, people can see through that. This statement didn't really do that. It did essentially turn around and say, well, you know, we've made mistakes. This is why we did this. This was the intention, but it went wrong. And here's where we've ended up. No one's happy with it, but the best thing we could do now is essentially get behind Mars Allen and then, you know, analyse everything in the summer. I'm not sure that you can ask too much more than that from a chairman at this stage. Okay, that's fair enough. <clears throat> Jonathan, you have obviously read the statement. Your thoughts on it? Um, hmm. It's an all right statement, isn't it? But he goes on to say when he met with Martin Allen... Uh, well, whilst Mark McGee was in charge, he he thought we could still get the playoffs at that point. Um, you're not fooling me with that one. No one was thinking that, were they? <laughs> no, I, 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 I must admit that's the one part of the statement where I thought to myself, uh, maybe you're you're bending the truth a bit with that one because, I mean, that well, I mean, it may well be the case. I don't want to. I don't want to, you know, put words into the chairman's mouth in terms of what he was thinking, but I can't help feel that, that that there's more to the, you know, the reason why Mark Allen wasn't appointed at that time than that. Um, but you know, I mean, that's the, that's the only real flaw I could pick with it. I thought generally it was pretty good, apart from that. Okay, very optimistic and diplomatic. Who would have thought Will was speaking? Um, Tom, for you, the the statement: good, bad, honest, dishonest. Yeah, I think it was pretty. Um... I tend to agree with Will. It was pretty honest. Whether you personally buy it or not depends on how kind of sceptical you are. And I'm not saying you. I mean any any individual reading it. Um, I think it kind of threw light on things that we haven't, we maybe had suspicions about, but haven't known in full. And that is assuming um, you know that those are answers that give the full truth and nothing but the truth. Um, but. It shouldn't come down. To, it shouldn't come to this, should it? It shouldn't come to having to explain why we've got a fourth manager of the season. And I think, um, I just think he said it himself. You know, you can blame me for bad managerial appointments. Well, we are, and it would just be nice to know what some of the thinking was. Really, sorry, it would have been, before this. It would have been nice to know what some of the thinking was, and we did get that. But it does seem to me that he kind of 
in just about every appointment he takes that this is the chairman sorry takes the opinion of others and uh you know with graham wesley it was barry fry who obviously understand who respects and knows his stuff and with um with uh Paul with Fair mark Wicked, it was unknown unknown, unknown agents and um you know, he's either not listening to the right people or he's not giving them enough time or the right tools or something because it's not like he's just gone, you know, assuming that's true, he's not just gone on a whim, I'm going to appoint so-and-so. So, you know, there does seem to be a little bit of process there, which is a good thing, but something's falling down and I think he needs to, you know, ad- address that going forward so that we don't don't have a repeat of this. Is he listening to the right people, though? That's it. Exactly. He, 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 he listened. Barry he was Fry. Listen- Sorry, you go. You go. You go. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was listening to Barry Fry and Fairclough and unknown agents and all that, and they were telling him appoint this person, appoint that person, and he did. And now he's gone, got rid of them people. He spoke to Martin Allen, who said you're going to be in for a relegation battle, and he he didn't believe him. He if still thought, now we're going to get in playoffs. Well, yeah, if he ever, if he had said it, but in a statement he did say it and he still he, he genuinely he, he believed it enough to put it in a statement that he thought we could get playoffs when we were in the relegation zone fighting relegation more than halfway through the season you don't get out of it like that you know what I mean that's fair there's just two things I wanted to highlight because I think you guys have covered it um, the first thing because I thought uh, Tom I thought you were going to come onto it the sentence on Paul Fairclough strikes mm. me as quite harsh and if i'm reading it correctly which i might not be doing because i'm a bit of a moron as we as we all know it strikes me as what that sentence actually literally says is that i spoke to paul fairclough about getting graham wesley in paul fairclough says that he doesn't think the fans will take kindly to it and that's all that paul fairclough says and then i decided that it was the best thing to do anyway that's how I've read that sentence. If you read the sentence, it doesn't actually ever say that Paul Fairclough says or agrees or comes to terms with the chairman saying, sign Graham Wesley. So it just seemed like a really odd thing for me to put to put into that statement, because it, particularly in the way that it comes across, because I think it can be misread if it's not me doing the misreading. And again, I'm doing this on a microphone, so I sound like an absolute moron if I'm wrong. <laughs> it just seems like a really weird thing to say. Um, so that's I, I think it, is it, is, has he tried to put it in there because... It, just trying to sort of you know, get the fans on side. Generally speaking, most fans re- respect Paul Fairclough as a you know, previous good manager at Barnet. And by kind of by dropping his name in there, it, it indicates that he was in some way part of the this season's you know, consultation process about one thing or the other. This idea that you know he is listening to to people who who have got some reputation in the game and that and uh, the decisions that he's making aren't completely you know just just out of nowhere i think the big issue really is these people do know what they're talking about and they're not necessarily recommending bad people but mm. but they don't have the the context of okay so for example you've got rossi ames and he's the manager and he spent all this time teaching the players a style of football in pre-season um yeah that's that was that's quite distinct for this level i guess um and we've got a load of players we brought in who can play that style. And we've got a lot of youngsters coming through the academy who can play that style. And then someone presumably tells the chairman that Mark McGee is a good is a good replacement. Uh, well, yeah, that's not that might not be the, might not be untrue. McGee has got a record of being a good manager at previous clubs, but he's not the right replacement. The right replacement is to get someone in who plays a similar style and can tweak what 
Rossi's done beforehand and get the best out of the players and improve it. Don't just completely change things. I think it's this lack of forward thinking, this reactionary attitude where we're always just kind of like things just seem to spring out from nowhere and there's no real kind of long-term planning or any long-term planning there is goes out the window and it's replaced with something else. That's the real issue there rather than like the people we're choosing, I think. So, Will, on that basis... Let's say hypothetically within football, there was a, a, a position that was at like, say, I don't know, director level. We all know where this is going, which took care of the the fourth sort, the foresight and the planning of footballing matters. And let's, I don't know, hypothetically, we'll call this a director of football role. Could you see why that would be important? Right. I, I, knew, I, knew I know why you're going yeah, It's funny because I, I'm glad you got onto it because I was having to think about it during the day um, about why I don't like the director of football model. And it, it boils down to this. If you've got a good chairman, you don't need a director of football. So what I would say is this. If you've got a chairman that's sensible and I mean, this this isn't that out there as a concept that you might follow up one manager who plays a star with another manager who plays a similar star to have some kind of continuity. You know, you don't need to have a PhD to work that out. It's just, it's just logical. You've seen it at Swansea City where... Um, yeah, they didn't, as far as I'm aware, they, they certainly didn't have a director of football of any high profile that I'm aware of. But their their chairman at the time, and still it's Jenkins, I think he's called, um, you know, he just appointed a series of managers who followed on from each other playing at playing a style. You know, Martinez, Brendan Rogers, I think there's Paolo Salza was in there at some point. And what that did was that created this, you know, this flow where the team went from every time a manager left, they got better and better and better because you're always building on something. It doesn't need the director of football to do that. It just needs common sense. Now, you can have a director of football by all means, but really the success of a club is going to come down to how good your chairman is because if he interferes or if he takes decisions above the director of football's head, whatever it is, then the director of football is completely redundant. You know, so... What I'm saying is, yes, it might work at some clubs, it might not, but really that's not the defining factor in what makes a club successful. It's probably the person who's above that level. That's fair. That's fair. I'll take that as a, as a reasoned response. Um, Jonathan, I'm going to give you the final word on all of this, and then I think Tom will cross to you for some questions from Twitter, and the bit where I suck up to everyone who listens to us and say thank you over and over again. So, Jonathan, anything you want to say first? Um, will said everything I want to say, really. Um, once again, probably said it in a better way that I wanted to say. I knew you were going to go on to the director <laughs> of football conversation. As soon as Will started saying we're developing the young players into this certain way, I was like, Staffy's going to go with the uh, director of football nonsense again. It only works. <laughs> Just to reiterate what Will says, it only works if you've got people who will allow it to work. And if you've got a chairman who's going to step in and come over people's heads and change things, then what's the point? Well, I think the, for, for me personally, within this context, and I will move on because otherwise we're going to be here forever. Um, this, this is definitely going to be like a summer special, just three hours of Will and I hammering this one out. But I think within this context, the point is that if you have a director of football who's in place, who's empowered to do something, it's just a bit more transparent because at that point, you know, director of football did or did not recruit players, was or was not given the funds or, you know, however it works, whatever is happening at that level. There's just a bit more accountability and a bit more transparency as a result, I think. Can, can I call it? Sorry. That's to Jonathan, Will. You and I are going to do this in the summer for three hours, but we're not doing it now. Technically, we still have a director of football, don't we not? With no, we, do, we, we technically Storm do not. No, we don't. No, head we don't. of recruitment. Head of recruitment. Matt Green's head of recruitment, and James Thorne is director of the footballing uh, operations, not director of football. 
do me a favour and just... It's all the same thing, isn't it? No, it's literally not. So, so to understand it, Matt Green is in charge of recruitment, okay? And James right. Thorne, as I understand it, and I believe this is the case, if anyone knows more about it than me, please tell me, uh, his job is more about the administrative side. So making sure that um, we have the correct number of coaches in place, for example, not so much saying the, the type of football that the coaches play, just if we need to hire a new coach, uh, an academy coach or whatever, James Thorne makes sure that that, position, that vacancy is advertised, filled, that the, we have a correct number of footballs, at training, that sort of stuff. It's about the administrative side of managing a football club. All right, okay, fair enough. But we did have a director of football, but the chairman's now said, no, don't don't want you in a, in a role, and I don't want Graham Wesley in a role either. Both you out the door. That's fair. And, and yeah, it's, it's come over their heads, haven't they? If if you if you don't want the manager in charge, then you allow the director of football to, who's only had a job for what two months. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I'm agreeing with you in this sense. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't help that much. Um, I'm saying that actually this model would be good. Anyway, I'm going to move on because people are falling asleep and someone might be driving and this is dangerous. Um, this is that part where I say thank you to everyone who's, who's sent us questions um, and interacted with us on Twitter. I say it every time and I really do mean it. It's really cool to me that we do this, have a chat with amongst friends and Will and I argue about the things that we argue about off, <laughs> off, off, um, off mic. And uh, people find it interesting enough to listen, first of all, and then interesting enough to interact and ask questions that are very uh, interesting. And uh, Tom, I'm going to hand over to you to sort of hand those questions out. Cool. So I've cut the list down greatly because a lot of them were um, from the weekend when uh, Graham Wesley was still in charge. So sorry if you sent in a question that we're now going to ignore because it's uh, it's a moot point, but such is life. Um Quick mention, Daniel Curso said in his question uh, regarding the chairman's statement, my and Alan thought we were in a relegation battle and the chairman thought we could get in the playoffs. How worrying is it that the chairman can't see clear issues? Someone take that. I feel like I've already answered that earlier on. Um, I think I, actually, I just pointed it out, really. It, it's, the, the chairman's talking to the wrong people when he was saying who he's spoken to to appoint previous managers it, the one person who was telling him how it is you're going to be in a relegation fight he went no I'm not going to listen to you I'm going to listen to the people that say yeah you can still do what you want to do when it's quite clearly not obvious yeah. it, quite clearly it, it's not going to happen and he's finally seen sense of eight games to go good point well made he also said Daniele a uh, quick one to add uh, why have we got Mark McGee if he's going to other people to uh, get their opinion on managerial appointments, which I think is a, an, an interesting point. Uh, but I will take that one and say that I think it's not a bad thing because, you know, kind of crowdsourcing opinion uh, for these things uh, is good. Although in the event, it was an appointment that didn't work out in any sense and he's now been let go. So maybe it wasn't good. Um, this is a question, Lloyd Debenham. Uh, will, you can have this. Should Martin Allen stay as a short-term choice to fix the club or as a long-term appointment to rebuild again? Um, I think as a long-term appointment, I think that... I, said, I mean, we're getting into, into a whole different area here because there's a, you know, there are flaws to, the, to Martin Allen in charge long-term, in particular recruitment. And, you know, he brought in some less-than-impressive players during his time here after we got promoted to the Football League. But... I suppose the issue is that we keep trying to find these other managers, and they're not do they're not doing a very good Please. job. 
And I, and I don't know if that's you know, because they're not given the tools to do the, a good job or just the nature of the way Barnet is. They don't, they're not the right fit. But Marcel Allen does seem to be the right fit. And even if he does make mistakes with recruitment, he still seems to have the ability, no matter what, to have the team at a level where they're at the very least like a kind of mid-table mid League Two side. And bearing in mind you know, the disaster that this season's been, I just think if, if somehow he can keep us up, you've got to keep him for as long as possible because... If we're actually going to build anything long term here, the, the fundamental, the most key thing is that we're not in a relegation scrap year after year where we're chopping and changing. You know, you've got to have someone who's at least got us up to mid table. So I would like to see him stay for, for the long term. Yeah, fair enough. I think we can probably do a whole podcast on that at the end of the season once we know whether he is staying or not, whether it's a good thing or not, and maybe get into some of the moral quandaries of uh, of uh, of having him back in the long term when we we when we know what history suggests he might do um a couple of questions that are moot but i just want to say thank you for actually taking time to send it in from broken man b steve l uh who uh had asked about the uh you can tell i'm filling here because i've lost his tweet and i thought i was looking at it all along <laughs> um, you have one job you have one hosting job <laughs> I was looking at, he sent two tweets and they were separate and one was the one i wanted wasn't looking at who just said what do you think uh changes you expect to see which i think in under martin Allen, which i think we covered and ian Elliott, are we happy with it are we sorry with for graham wesley and are our chances of staying up improved i think we've answered all that tasha louise spawn is alan really the answer I think we probably asked that answered that uh spazzy paddy we need a podcast not a question but a good point well made sir <laughs> Shameless. Uh, finally uh, and again stalling stalling because he's lost it oh dear not a professional broadcaster in any sense of the word <laughs> here Imagine we are if one of us had actually literally been on national media today to do some broadcast work <laughs> no i'll tell you about that in a minute uh finally top man jim kavanagh as always number one fan uh just wanted to get our opinion on a couple of things uh the form of nelson not being great when he was playing santos and clough both played better with him however what are the thoughts of a benefit of a back three with sweeney nelson and santos and then mauro and Tatondra on the flanks do you want to do that Stathy? you're quite tactically uh, switched on all right send me off a failure that is thank you um i said it Oh, I don't know if I actually said it or not, but in a previous podcast, I hope I made the point that one of the great things that Rossi did, whether specifically targeted or whether it was a uh, an accidental, brilliant thing that happened, was we now know that two centre backs don't we don't seem to have a decent partnership amongst any of our two centre backs. So while Nelson seems to be the best, it seems to be in in the best partnerships we have, he doesn't seem to be one of the best defenders we have at the moment i think it's fair to say that age has caught up with him um one one of the things that rossi did was play three at the back so i know we're cu- i'm kind of coming back around on the question but yeah rossi rossi had us playing three at the back mm. and uh, well I, I don't know i don't want to bore people and say the same thing over and over again but i do think that the rossi part of this season was actually the best part of this season if you if you look at it somewhat objectively i appreciate that i'm very biased and I, no, I don't think you disagree. I don't think anyone would disagree. Cool, and yeah, I think I think three at the back was a key component of that. We played a different way to most League Two teams. We played the football that I would say I would be most happy paying £25 to watch, which I think everyone kind of forgets, but it's actually quite an important thing because, okay, the people probably listening to this are probably very... Um, sorry, Barnet is ingrained into them, but if you want to settle down, 
have fans and grow a fan base you need to be growing that fan base somehow and that's by luring in people who come the odd time and then want to come back more and more and if you're playing hoofball and it's not even successful it's going to be tough and at least under Rossi there was something there you know you might want to bring kids to come and watch which is a bit exciting um, or whatever and I'm kind of steering away from the question but the point I was making is that three at the back is something that Rossi did and I think actually it coincided with for me the best footballing part of this season and uh, I think that is important and if that means that Nelson comes back in to form that three at the back then it's something that should be assessed I must admit it doesn't look to me like that's going to happen um, and if not then let's assess it over the summer and, and see uh, if we need to recruit or if we have the players to play that system but if it's the best system we have I'm kind of fed up of managers being a, a 4-4-2 man or a 4-2-3-1 man just play the best play play the best football you can with the squad you have it's not rocket science you've rather ruined the joke there haven't you <laughs> A little bit longer so I could play that. And it's another good one actually relating to the Rossi chunk of the season. Yeah. Um, oh, sugar. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, oh. this is a shambles. This is... The worst thing was, I could have done the stalling for you if you just let me continue to talk. <laughs> what I was trying to do was play the countdown clock over Staffy to shut up, but, uh, which I'm sure he's been tempted to do to me in the past. But he did shut up before I got to the end, and I wasn't going to shut up. <laughs> something seconds of the countdown clock. So what I did to deal with that is hit the mute button. Then I realised that the reason no one was talking is because I'd muted you all. So I had to <laughs> technology and me, not good friends. <laughs> I promise it's a good one, and then I will shut up. Jim again, uh, and also pretending for the Rossi part of the season. Added to that. John Louis Akpa Akpro, well, he seemed a perfect four for Shaq earlier in the season. It's no surprise Shaq has struggled in his absence. Nichols is the only striker scoring, so it's him plus someone. Why not John Louis Akpa Akpro as neither Shaq nor Big John are scoring? Obviously, with the caveat that uh, Jean Louis has been injured, but what do we think about the potential for uh, Jean Louis and uh, Alex Nichols' uh, strike pairing? I'd quite like to see it, but yeah, it's not going to happen, is it really? Not least because I think it's fair to say Martin Allen got the best out of Jean-Louis, which I always find very satisfying to say. Uh, <laughs> as a substitute, you know, coming off the bench, I don't think anyone would disagree. He's he's always looked most dangerous coming off the bench, and he changes okay. games coming off the bench. Put him on from the start, and he struggles. It's that simple, isn't it? Yes. I, yeah. I, I, I think he will start. Um, oh, I, I, yeah, I reckon. Because I, 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 I think you'll just copy get Martin Allen going back to the system that had worked well for him when he was there previously. And as I bang on about every time I get a chance, I know we all do, that was Michael Gash and John Akindi. And he'll look at it and go, well, the closest thing we've got to a Michael Gash focal point to free up John Akindi to run in behind will probably be Sean Louis Akpapro. So I can see him. And don't forget, he was also in the, you know, the team that Martin and kind of you know, the squad that he left behind. So he's worked with them before. I can just see... Those Akpo and Akindi starting up front, and I can potentially see Nichols returning to some kind of wide position in a four-four-two again, like Martin Allen used him when he was there. Which potentially could be a waste, given how well he's uh, he's done up front in the last few weeks. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Anyway, better hand about Stathy. Those are your questions. Thank you very much for sending them in. Thank you for your discipline and professionalism there, Tom. Much appreciated. Uh, and again, thank you to everyone who sent a, a question in. And uh, yeah, still, still really weird to me that this happens. Very grateful. That's really cool. Um, the Twitter account is Barnet underscore podcast. Um, 
Tom tends to tweet from there when, we, when he goes to games. That's why you'll notice the quality really went up this weekend and a couple of weekends ago. Um, I've given you some credit there, Tom. And I was also going to say that we have a website. Uh, it's officersclubpod.com. It's still kind of in the works, but it's basically up, up and running now. If anyone has any feedback, let me know. And I think that's it. Any other business, Jonathan? Um, no. Not really. Um, cool, do you plug yourself? Follow, follow, yeah, follow me on Twitter at Jonathan Blakey. Uh, Blakey is spelled B-L-A-K-I-E. I say every podcast, everyone gets that wrong. Spell it correctly. You'll find me. I just want to Send highlight. me you, you, whatever you, know, you want. You have said that the entire time. I just need to highlight. I think most people would get Jonathan wrong because there are multiple ways of spelling Jonathan. Yeah, you know what? I've not been blessed in my name, to be fair. Everyone spells <laughs> my name wrong. Uh, most people don't actually call me Jonathan. Uh, I'm either Jono or Johnny, but I put my full name on Twitter because I wanted to, you know, save it for special occasions when everyone needs to know my Twitter and everyone spells it wrong. Um, oh, I've been calling you Jonathan for, you know, at least three years now. I'm going to start calling you Jono from now on. That's great. This, yeah, was that's... Like, this was like discovering Rossi's name is Rossi and not Ross, which I thought <laughs> <laughs> I'm, jo- I'm Johnny to all my mates and then at work I'm Jono because it's a bit more of a lad's environment. Pointing out there that we're not allowed to call you Johnny because we're not friends. I oh, know you can call me Johnny. You can call me Jono as well. Sort of half work with you guys. So, so. Call me whatever you want. Just don't abuse me. And make it make it safe because I've not ticked the explicit box on iTunes. But yeah, okay, cool. Any other business, Tom? Uh, no, just just my Twitter handle, which is T B B O D E Need for how to spell my own surname. And uh, thank you all very much for listening. Send in any feedback, as always. And sorry it's so long again, but I'm sure you'll agree. There's a good reason. Will? Yeah, I'll start. I'll plug Tom, first of all, because if you download the uh, the 72 podcast from TalkSport 2, uh, which is an excellent football league podcast, probably the best out there, then you get to hear Tom talking about uh, the Martin Allen appointment this week, which I'm sure is... I haven't listened to it yet, but I'm sure it's excellent. Um, and... Yeah, if you want to follow me on Twitter, at WillGEvans1, and you can listen to me and Jonathan commentate on the Luton Town game on Saturday if you tune in to iFollow. 5.15 kickoff. I, that's a good point. I just love that Tom forgot to plug his crowning achievement. <laughs> <laughs> crowning achievement. More to more come from me, my friends. More from me. Um, I'm on Twitter, at Estivaros, E-S-T-I-V-A-R-O-S. And I think we're done. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And uh, have a good evening and enjoy the game next weekend, hopefully. <laughs>